I want to talk a little bit about women's sports and specifically the WNBA. So if you're not familiar with the WNBA, it's basically the Women's National Basketball Association. And basically, there's been some buzz in the news, not so much recently, but in the past. And basically, the women, they want to get paid as much as the men, basically. Um, They're not happy with their pay, uh, and they think that they deserve more. Um, But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to kind of uh, make a case for the other side of the story where uh, I'm not against these women athletes or anything, but I don't think they deserve to get more. And I'm going to explain because um, the National Basketball Association, which is men's basketball, uh, I'm not sure the number. Um, Actually, let me look it up. I have my computer here. I'm going to see how much the NBA brings in, um, how much the NBA makes, um, basically as a company. Um, Let's see how much does... I'm typing with one hand. Um, My podcast setup, it's actually kind of funny. Um, I don't have a studio or anything. Obviously, I'm just starting. Um, but we're going to find how much does the NBA make um, before I get into that. I'm working on um, building a podcast studio so I can upload some um, higher um, quality audio and some higher quality podcasts. And we're also, once I get the studio set up, I'm actually going to um, basically put these podcasts um, as YouTube videos. And then what we're going to do, we're going to go over, because if you've noticed, we spend a little bit of time talking about like a single thing, like a single topic. We talk about the same topic for maybe like 10 or 20 minutes on the hour long podcast. And I think it makes sense to basically put it on YouTube and film it on video and then kind of um, like chop up the podcast. Um, We're going to make a full length YouTube. So we're going to post the podcast on YouTube, the full length. And then what we're going to do, we're going to chop it up and we're going to basically distribute it as part of like little clips And if you've seen like Joe Rogan or something, he has a really popular one. Basically, it's just the Clips channel. And it's not um, like it's not his actual long form podcast. It's just like a little clip uh, clips where it's just like they chop up the podcast and they give you like a little clip of like a segment of the podcast. Um, So that's what it's looking like we're going to do. I think that's the best course of action. Um, But I pulled up the stats for the NBA. And there's a couple um, sources that come up and they all say about 10 billion. The NBA makes about $10 billion a year. Now I'm going to type in the WNBA. So, and the reason why I'm doing this is basically because the NBA and where I'm going with this is that the NBA and especially the NFL, um, they just make a lot of money because especially football, I don't know why, but football is just the most popular Um, WNBA. I'm going to look this up. And the reason I'm kind of going where I'm going with this is that the NBA uh, we're going to stick with the NBA because we're talking about the WNBA. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, I'm looking at this. And we're, again, where I'm going with this is that the men's, like the men's sports uh, basically just brings in a lot more money um, than the WNBA. And here we go. Um, this is my point. So the NBA, like I said, br- brings in about um, $10 billion a year. Um, I'm looking at this uh, source is a reputable source, and it says that the N- WNBA generates 60 million in revenue, um, and it says 12 million is basically distributed to other places. Um, so what I'm trying to get at here is the men's basketball National Basketball Association makes 10 billion. I don't know what the percentage like the WNBA basically makes like zero compared to the NBA. Like uh, 10 billion versus 60 million, there's a big difference, obviously. Um, But like it doesn't sound all that big. But if you look at the number, um, it's a huge like disparity. Um, Like it's it's a like a huge difference. And my point is that I honestly don't think the women should get paid more. I don't know what their pay arrangement is. Um, But typically and the NBA, they bring in so much money that they can afford to pay the players more. It's just like simple math. Um, if the NBA is bringing in $10 billion, you know, they can afford to pay Steph Curry $40 million a year. Um, now, that's almost, that's pretty crazy. The So, like, Steph Curry, James Harden, like, the stars of the NBA, there's a couple other players. They're at, like, the $40 million mark. Um, let's see top highest paid NBA players. Um, highest paid NBA players. It's like Steph Curry. I looked at this not too long ago. And they average about forty million. Okay, actually, it's more. Um, Steph Curry. It looks like this is the um, this is an accurate source. Steph Curry is the highest paid at forty eight million. 
So Steph Curry almost makes as much as the entire WNBA does as um, basically a company. Um, 48 million and the, the WNBA does 60 million. Um, so just like when, when these girls um, try to say that like they deserve to get paid more, um, like I just don't think they do. Um, I'm going to be honest. I just don't think so because the WNBA, they only make 60 million when the, the top played NBA player almost makes the same. So why should the WNBA players get get paid more? They don't bring in anything. They bring in sixty million, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not um, in the grand scheme of things. Especially for a professional sports organization, um, sixty million is really not that much. And these WNBA players, they want to get paid more because I understand. I don't think they get paid a lot. Obviously, they're not happy with their pay. But like, you get paid what the market determines. You don't get paid just because like you're obviously very talented. And the WNBA, they are the best women's players um, in the world. They are talented basketball players, obviously. Um, it goes without saying. But just because they're talented, um, that doesn't mean they should get paid the same as men. I just don't know where they think the like if the WNBA makes sixty million, how can they possibly expect to get paid the same as the NBA? I just, I just don't understand. There's like a disconnect. And I understand, like, the women, like, they do, obviously, they work hard, like, they're athletes, they're pros, and they deserve to get paid, um, obviously, but I just don't think they deserve to get paid what they think. They don't get, they don't deserve to get paid like men, the men's basketball, um, because the men's NBA um, brings it, just brings in so much more. So I just don't understand how these women think they should get paid um, the same as men, is what my point is. Um, so, like, it also happened with, like, the soccer players. Like, the women's national team um, is, like, didn't they win? Like, they won the World Cup or something. Like, they're really, they're the best women's team. When, in comparison, the men's national soccer team is actually not good. Like, compared to the people, like, that that they played. Didn't, like, Italy win? No, not Italy. Didn't France win the World Cup? And, like, the men's national team, I think they made a nice little run. Um, they won a couple games in the World Cup, I think, but their run basically came to an end. Um, they're just not as good as the other the men's soccer teams. And it's kind of the same with the women's. Um, just, like, I just don't understand where the women think that the money's going to come from for them to get paid, like, remotely close to men. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring up. And... Yeah, so we're going to switch gears. Um, we're going to move on. And I wanted to talk about like kind of like drug culture and just like how rappers today kind of like glorify the drugs and like doing drugs and stuff. And it's actually funny. I heard something that Future, this was a while ago, but if you don't know Future, he's just like a rapper, um, pretty famous. And he said, and in a lot of his songs, like you'll hear him talk about like perp, which is like um, like promethazine cough syrup. And basically, it's like lean. You mix like you mix like the cough syrup with like Sprite, and it's called a dirty Sprite. Never had one, but um, I've I looked this up because um, basically it was in one of his songs. He like talked about like dirty Sprite, basically, and he actually said in an interview, basically that he doesn't do any of the drugs that he raps about. Um, he just raps about them. I don't know to be cool. Um, I guess that's why I don't really see why else he would rap about these things. If like, if you don't do the drugs, um, why are you like trying to portray that you do? Um, like who is that benefiting? Like, is it benefiting your image that you do drugs? Not sure. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because you hear about like these, a lot of these rappers and even like, like past, um, like rappers in the past, they always rap about like doing drugs. Um, even if it's just like smoking weed, a lot of rappers, um, they rap about like smoking weed and while smoking weed is becoming um, legal, basically it's becoming more acceptable. Um, it's still um, a drug and say what you want about weed. And I'm actually pro legalization. I think it should be legal, but it is still a drug. And I don't like to say that it's a gateway because it's not. I don't think that if you smoke weed, I don't think you're more likely to do other drugs. I don't think that's true. There's a lot of people that might disagree with that. I don't see it as a gateway. Um, what I do see it though, and if you're if you kind of grow up smoking weed, um, 
like you're just more inclined to kind of say yes if the um like the possibility of doing drugs comes up like other drugs you're just like i don't know i feel like i don't know from personal experience but from what my friends have told me basically that if you're do weed and weed's like seen as not like too um like risky it's not too like it's not a hard drug it's not considered that but i feel like and my friend said this he he was telling me and he did some um harder drugs and he was like he was like you know i smoked like in high school and then when i got to college uh, my friends like presented me with other drugs and this is what he was saying and this was just his um opinion but he was like i smoked weed and it was like weed's not a big deal um so when they presented him with other stuff he was like well I don't know. I do weed and it's not that bad. So he was like more inclined to just be like, okay, I guess like everyone else is doing it. I do weed and it's not bad. And he was basically saying that he started to do that. And I'm not really, she didn't really elaborate after what happened after that, but he basically was just saying that he was more inclined to say yes to other drugs, but I don't think that means it's a gateway. I don't think that means it's a gateway drug. Um, just because, yeah, I just don't think that it correlates. But like I said, it's more likely for you to say yes. At least this was what my friend was saying. And not really a good friend, um, kind of just a friend of a friend. And we were just like talking one night um, at a bar. And this is just what he said. So I just kind of wanted to address that. I don't think weed's a gateway. And um, we get back to like future and these um, rappers. Um, and then I, want, I also had written down Juice World. Um, so Juice World, if you don't know the story, um, he was a popular rapper. He signed like a big deal. He signed a record deal, became a multimillionaire. Um, and it was like with Interscope, I think. He signed with like a big record label and he was, he got big. He was um, really popular. And basically all of his content or all of his like songs, I should say, not content, all of his songs basically were all about doing drugs. And he said in interviews, that he struggles with it and he basically still did drugs up until his death. Um, I'll get into his death a little bit, but basically Juice World, um, he just rapped about doing all these drugs, these hard drugs, and it caught up to him. Um, so the story, and a lot of people doubted, a lot of people think that he faked his death. Some people still talk about that. Um, but he didn't. I don't think so. I think the evidence says no. I think he actually died. Um, I wasn't there. So what happened? I don't know where he was flying from. It might have been like LA to like Chicago's Midway Airport. I think it was to Midway. Um, I'm not going to look any of this up. I'm just going to just um, say my understanding of it and what I read and what I heard is that him and like his his crew, apparently they were like taking a private jet, I think, to Chicago might have been from LA and basically he took a private jet and they brought guns and weed on the plane or I think they said the pilot like saw that they had guns and you can never bring a gun on an airplane um, unless you're like like a U.S. Marshal or like a police officer like guns can never go on airplanes even if you're like flying private and the pilot saw that they brought guns and they he saw that they had drugs I don't know how he saw that he, they had drugs but Basically, the pilot like reported it, and when they landed in Chicago, um, basically they landed, and the pilot alerted the authorities before they landed, and the pilot, so the cops were all there when they landed, and Juice World and his crew, I guess they didn't want to get caught, um, and they didn't want to get caught with the drugs, so what Juice World did, and this is what caused his death, he just basically took all of the drugs, he like... I don't know what drugs it was, but he was talking and not talking. He took the drugs and basically died. I think he overdosed. I don't know what he took. It might have been like pills, like Oxy or something. And he took them. He just like swallowed them all, I think. And then he had like a seizure and like basically he just died. Um, I think he overdosed. I think that's what the cause of death was. And I don't know why there was so much speculation that he was faking it. Um, I, th I don't know why, um, I'm not sure why there was this whole, like, everyone thought he was faking it, um, because I actually looked in the police, it was like the Chicago police authority or whatever, um, they confirmed that there was a debt, like someone, there was a homicide, someone died and they identified him and his real name's Jared. 
um and they posted about it they were like jared um what's his last name forget his last name it's like gerard it's j-a-r-a-d higgins i think it's higgins um let me see that's definitely it um it's like gerard higgins jared jared higgins let's see i'm gonna fact check that yep gerard anthony higgins i had that right um i don't know why everyone thought he um faked it but basically there was um someone uh came out with an album and it might have been juice actually it might have been a post i think they call it like posthumously after you die it might have been his first one i think it's called legends never die i think it was the album and the first letter of each song on the album it's spelled so like if you think of like it's like a list like one two three like the tracks and it listed all the tracks and the names of the songs and the first letter of all the tracks it's spelled out like long live juice world or juice world is alive or something like that it's, i think it said juice world is alive or something like that and then people like took that as if like it was like if he was faking it and he's still alive um if that was the case i think we would have heard by now so i'm gonna say it's fair to say that he is dead um, but I just wanted to bring that up because like the drug culture, I don't think we're going in a good direction because it's more and more um, that you just hear these rappers just like talk about even like weed, even doing weed, it's still a drug. And I just think don't think it's good to like blast that out. And that's your message, especially future. When I heard that, I'm just like, well, what do you have to benefit? I mean, it's it's his music, but. I don't know. I think you can make music without referencing drugs and hard drugs. This is like cough syrup. He's like all about the lean. Um, like even I forget what song it is, but it's like in the title of his song, it's like purple drank or something. And I just don't see why. Um, why would you want to blast that message? I'm just not sure. Um, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to work through this. So just something to keep in mind, and I talked about if, in a previous one, I talked about the music of today, and the music is honestly pretty bad, and it has a lot to do with, like, this drug culture, I think, that it's just, like, I don't know. I'm 26, and I grew up with, like, Future, and he's been famous for a while, and I've always heard him talk about drugs and stuff, and I just don't know, again, where where this like benefits him and how does that improve his image if he just raps about the drugs he doesn't actually even do like it'd be one thing like if he actually said like if he did like whatever just to say cough syrup um he said he didn't he said he doesn't do any of the drugs that he raps about but like if he did say he did cough syrup and i don't recommend it i've never done it but i definitely don't recommend it i mean you shouldn't just abuse cough syrup it's not a good idea obviously but Again, I just don't see why he would want to portray that message, especially to like the youth, because it's people like my age, I guess. I don't know if younger people listen to Future anymore, but like when I was in high school and college, like he was big. He's still pretty big. You don't really hear about him, actually. I don't hear about him too much. He's kind of like faded away a little bit, but still famous. Um, but Future, yeah, if you're out there, why? Like, I just don't understand the message, um, but that's my point. Let's um, move on. I want to actually go over the Andrew Tate headlines um, of today. I actually just typed in Andrew Tate a little earlier. I was doing some work and I needed a break. And I just typed in Andrew Tate and I wanted to see what the latest headlines were. And I'm, I typed it in again and I'm looking at it right now. And basically, and I said this before, um, again, these are the headlines of the news and all of this is going on in Romania. And there's like photos, I'm looking at it, of like him in court. So it actually does look like he was in court. But like this insider, I'm on the insider.com. And I think they they were like going after Dave Portnoy, who's the Barstool founder. I don't know what was happening with Portnoy, but they were just going after him. So I honestly just don't trust this website. Um, anything that insider posts, honestly, I don't trust it because... Um, Dave Portnoy is like literally the coolest guy. I don't know if he tweeted something and just pissed them off and now they're going after him, but I just don't trust insider. Um, but basically the headline is saying that Andrew Tate raped the victim twice court documents say, so that's important. This is what the court documents say. In other words, this is just what someone is alleging. And this brings another point, um, that we'll get to, but basically the headlines are saying that. Andrew Tate's like a monster. He raped all these people. And 
where I'm going with this also is that whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty, um, because that's like due process of law, right? And I noticed this starting to happen with like the whole Me Too movement. And I'm not saying like people like, like it's just controversial, but I did look at my anchor stats and most of you guys are men. It was like 90% men. So I'm just going to say it. Um, when these like male news reporters, when it was like the whole Me Too movement and these male news reporters, uh, when they started to get like taken down, basically like what would happen. And it was just a couple years ago. I think it was before COVID when it really started. Basically, like people would allege that, for example, Chris Cuomo, I had a lot of respects for Chris Cuomo. I think he was on ABC for a while and I liked him. I think he had good stuff to say. He wasn't like too biased. And I just I liked him. Chris Cuomo, he was a good guy. You know, I didn't know him, but just from TV, I thought he had some good opinions. And I was like, okay, I like Chris Cuomo. Um, I had a good you know, opinion of him. And then this was actually later. Um, in the whole Me Too movement, he was like one of the last ones that I kind of heard. This was kind of late. And basically, and not just Cuomo, but basically what happened, and a, a good case of this is actually Brett Kavanaugh, um, the Supreme Court justice. We're going to get to that. But basically, um, like Chris Cuomo, I don't know the details, but um, basically he was accused of like rape or like misconduct or something. And the allegation came out. And then like the next day, Cuomo was taken down and fired um, just for the allegation. So I don't understand what, where is this innocent until proven guilty part? Um, because that's like, that's what you hear in like law school. That's like the fabric of the justice system is that you are innocent until you're proven guilty. And that's literally not what happened, especially with Cuomo and a lot of other male news reporters. They just like started getting taken down. And I'm not saying whether they did or didn't do what they were accused of, uh, because I don't know the facts and I can't prove anything. And I don't, I wasn't there. I don't, I don't know. But my point is that I'm just pointing out is that we got kind of got away from innocent until proven guilty, honestly. Um, whatever happened to that? Why, why doesn't Chris Cuomo get to defend himself? Um, why is he just taken down because some, some girl from 20 years ago that, Honestly, Cuomo probably hooked up with. She's just like saying that it was misconduct. Um, I just don't see why we're just like, why that's allowed. And the problem is a lot of it's like cancel culture. Um, I actually just saw this insider again, another headline from insider um, about this Andrew Tate. It says Andrew Tate made victims perform on TikTok OnlyFans, TikTok and OnlyFans, say legal documents. But when they say legal documents, this is just someone alleging that he did this. And so he did this webcam thing when he managed like a bunch of webcam girls. And basically like they're webcam girls. So like, you know, what goes on on webcams. I don't see, I just don't see it. I just, I'm seeing through this kind of BS about Tate and I just don't buy it. Honestly, I don't think he did all this human trafficking. And that's where I'm going with this. We need to let the due process of law figure this out because, and the problem is that they're in Romania and I think it's a Romanian court. So we don't know what the Romanian justice system is really like, but at least like in the U S um, it's like, if this was all going on in the U S it'd be different, but we're going on, it's going on in Romania and Tate actually went on record and said that Romania was a very, a very, um, like corrupt it was very corrupt nation and they're really small it's a small country so and it's landlocked i think it's in the middle like it's not i don't think there's access to any body of water i could have that wrong but it's just a small country and there's a lot of powerful countries around them and basically romania there's there's basically nothing going on in romania like if andrew tate wasn't from romania and like this was going on not in romania we wouldn't be talking about romania so and Andrew Tate said, and he's lived there, I think, like for a while. I don't know if his whole life, but he's a Romanian citizen. And he said that they're very corrupt. And so basically, he's like, I want, what I'm trying to say is that I don't buy this stuff, at least not yet. Um, it just says court documents say this. That doesn't really mean anything. It just means that someone is alleging this and it's documented in court. So when it says it's detailed in a court document, the, the Tate rape allegations and text exchanges 
or detailed in a court document, that doesn't mean really anything. That doesn't mean it's proven. That just means that someone is alleging this. And I'm just not buying it, honestly. Like, there is some headlines that are coming out. Fox News. I'm just looking at it. Insider. The Sun. CBC. CNN. I mean, if CNN is the first one that comes up, I mean, do you trust CNN? Like, I don't trust anything that they put out. Does Andrew Tate lose his appeal against detention in Romania? It's a different headline because that actually might have like some like something to back that up. But like if it's just an an article and it's CNN, so I still don't really take it seriously, honestly. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of headlines and what I kind of wanted to say. And again, I think it's just innocent until proven guilty. I don't know if that's how they do it in Romania, but that's how we do it here in a lot of parts of the, the world. Um, like someone alleges something and then why are you just automatically guilty? And I said about Brett Kavanaugh, who was the Supreme Court justice, uh, he was elected or whatever he was voted. Um, he's a justice now. And when he was basically vying for the spot, he was nominated, I think, by Trump. Well, yeah, when Trump was president, um, he nominated Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court because what was it like Scalia passed away, I think a Supreme Court justice passed away. So they needed to fill the seat. And Trump nominated Kavanaugh and he's like an accomplished lawyer, um, obviously great credentials. Like he was a very good fit for the job at the time. And that's why Trump recommended him uh, and like chose him. He nominated him to the Supreme Court. And basically there was this lady. Um, let me see. What was her name? Um, Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, yeah. And he's there's a, something that comes up and it says, I like beer. And that kind of became a meme. Um, it just came up, so I'm going to go over it. But basically, or just from the beginning with this Kavanaugh guy, um, what was the girl's name? Um, I can't find her name. But basically, she accused, um, trying to find it. She accused Kavanaugh of like misconduct, which I don't even understand what misconduct is because it's not rape. It's not like. It's just like a freaky, like sexual, like, I don't know, advance that isn't right. And it's just called misconduct. I really don't understand it. But anyways, it's just called misconduct. And what happened was, um, what is it? Christine Blasey Ford or something. It was like Blasey Ford. That was like her name. And she, she was basically like a champion. She was championing like women's rights. And like she basically accused him of this misconduct. And I don't know if they got into specifics, but it was just like misconduct. And apparently like her and Kavanaugh like hooked up when they were young or something. And this Christina Blase Ford, I think that's her name. Like Blase Ford. Type that in. I want to get the name right. Christine Blasey Ford. I had that right. Um, yeah, she's, so she's an American professor at Palo Alto University. She's a research psychologist at Stanford. Um, so obviously a very accomplished, um, looks like psychology um, career. Um, she's a professor at yeah university and Stanford. So obviously um, like very accomplished, uh, very highly educated and very smart uh, woman. And she basically just accused him of this misconduct and there was like a whole court and it was like a whole court proceeding. It lasted for a long time, like at least a couple weeks, maybe more at the time. And it was just like this whole like me too type thing that she was just accusing him. And what happened, um, basically like a, a panel was like questioning Kavanaugh about all this. And like, they wanted to hear his side and long story short, this Christine Blase Ford, she was found that her, um, basically her testimony wasn't, it didn't hold up and he was like basically um, innocent. Now it's not to say that I don't think Kavanaugh denied that they like whatever hooked up or whatever they, yeah, I'm just reading it. Yeah. So, okay, here we go. So in September 18, September 2018, Ford alleged that then U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her in Bethesda, Maryland when they were teenagers in 1982. Okay, so this brings up another one, another point. So this happened in 1982, right? Allegedly. 
So my question to this Christine Blase Ford, um, why didn't you bring it up anytime sooner? All of a sudden he's nominated for the Supreme Court and now you want to come forward? Like, are you serious? You don't see the issue in that? You don't see how this might be perceived as like a little bit of a hoax? Allegedly happens when they were teenagers in 1982. And what I was saying about the meme and it came up, this Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court that was being accused of this, he said something in the alleged, um, like in the court proceeding, and it was all televised. And he was said something that like he he and his friends liked to drink beer. And the way he said it, it was kind of funny and it became a meme. And he was just like, I like beer. We like to drink beer. And it was like something like that. And it was kind of funny the way he said it. And it became a meme. But my point, and then this whole thing with the Me Too, um, it's like, if something like this happened in 1982, but now you're stepping forward when this guy's running for Supreme Court, I mean, I just don't take that seriously, um, to be honest. And it didn't hold up. Her testimony didn't hold up, and basically he was um, innocent. So it just brings up a conversation where, like she wait is 1982 and this 2018 when all of a sudden that he's running for Supreme Court, um, she comes forward now. And my question to Christine Blase Ford, um, how come now? Why did you want to come now? It's 1982. This happened allegedly. Why do you want to come forward now? Just because he's running and you want to take him down? Um, cause that's what it looks like. And I think that she was, um, basically, I think people like from that you don't hear about, I think these people like put her up to it basically. Um, they basically like wanted her to be like, like the face of like taking him down. They wanted her to like take him down and I don't know who paid for like all the lawyers and stuff, but probably not her. Um, so like, I think the people behind all this, I think they just put her up to it. And it didn't hold up. That's the bottom line is that her testimony didn't hold up. And it was, um, he was innocent. He was um, basically just innocent. And it just brings up this whole thing about the Me Too. And a lot of them just kind of came forward. Like, and it's Me Too. They're literally like, that's the Me Too movement is like one person comes out with something. And then it's like, Me Too. I want to get in on this. It's like, you know, this happened to Me Too, um, which is like the thing. And the problem is that I'm sure there's cases where it actually did happen to some of these women. And I don't like, don't get me wrong. I don't like support that. And if something like that happened, you should come forward right away is my point. Um, if something like this happens to you and I don't have like nothing like this ever happened to me. So I really can't relate. Like if you feel like someone um, like did something to you like that, I just think you should come forward right away. Now I have heard things where it's like, you're so basically like you're in shock and you don't want to like come forward. Like if a, if a girl gets raped or something, sometimes they're, and I've heard, I don't know as a fact, this is just what I've heard. They're just in such shock and they really don't know what happened and they don't tell anyone. So I guess that's the idea behind the me too. It's like if something like this happened and like, you just realize like, Hey, maybe I should report this. Um, then it's like me too. I raised my hand and this happened to me too. It's like, that's the thing. That's the me too movement. So it's just the problem is that I think some of these claims, um, that these me too movement, I think a lot of it was real. I think a lot of these people were, you know, assaulted or whatever they allege. I think some of them were, a lot of them probably were, but the problem with this Christine Blase Ford is that it's just so clear that now he's running for Supreme court and now you come forward um, like I understand, like, I don't know. No, I don't understand that. I think that's so obvious that you're just trying to basically take him down. And again, Christine, like, did this actually happen? And if so, why didn't you come forward a little sooner? Like 1982, I can understand maybe right away if you don't come forward. Um, and like a lot of people don't really talk about it. Like, some people don't have like a therapist or anything and they just kind of keep it inside and don't tell anyone. Um, at least that's what I've heard. And it's just like, you really don't see through that. Like people that are on her side, you really are supporting that. I don't know. This is like the controversial stuff. And I know this isn't really a, um, about marketing and the podcast name is the marketing edge. 
The reason I kind of chose and went with the marketing edge, because I do focus a lot on business and business content, and I teach you how to run a business. But the edge part, I kind of wanted it to be like a little edgy because we talk about like things like this. So when ChatGPT gave me the name of my podcast, I asked it for some ideas and it gave me the marketing edge. I really liked that and I thought about it a lot before I just went with it. And I was like, I really like how that sounds because I don't want to just talk about business. I want to talk about everything. And I was actually talking to someone and I was explaining the content that we were covering. And then I said how some of it's a little controversial. And this person said to me, they were like, um, well, your podcast is called The Marketing Edge. And I was like, yeah, and? And then this person was like, well, why are you talking about controversial stuff? You should be talking about marketing. And I said, I'm like, well, I can talk about whatever the hell I want, first of all. And then I'm like, well, who, like, I can talk about whatever I want on my podcast, first of all. And I think that the reason I wanted it to be like marketing, because I do a lot of marketing and I wanted it to be focused on business. Um, and that's kind of my thinking behind the name of the podcast and why I think that um, I can do whatever I want, honestly. And um, the statistics on the podcast are honestly going crazy. I'm looking at the stats and I'm keeping track of the number of plays. And I'm, I just have it in like a Google Doc, just the number of plays. I'm going to pull it up right now. Because honestly, you guys are are listening to this and it seems like you're enjoying it because the audience size is growing. Um, so today I recorded the number of plays. So yesterday, yesterday the number of plays was 664. Um, so it's gaining uh, from the day prior to that, it did gain um, a lot of plays. And then today I recorded it or in the morning, around the morning, I usually record it and it was 7.08. So from in a 24 hour period, it went from 6.64 to 7.08. And then I just happened to be on my computer. I'm basically on my computer all the time. And I checked it again and it was only like a couple hours after that. And it went from 7.08 to basically like 7.70. So like in only a couple hours, you guys ran it up and I was looking at this and I'm like, I don't know where this podcast is going to be like a year from now because I got into it. I think I might title an article or not an article. I think I might title a podcast. I'm going to basically try to upload as many podcasts as possible in one day. Um, I'm going to go for like five or 10 full length podcasts. And I'm just going to see what the effect is because I think, and I talked about this in my last podcast about publishing velocity, and I think the algorithms, and this might be totally wrong, um, it could be so, it could be off, and it's not really based on really any facts, but I think that the algorithms for social media, at least podcasting, I think that the algorithm likes it the more you post. Um, and I, the more frequently you post, like if you p only schedule it for like one episode a week, um, you can still be successful. And there's a lot of people that are successful with one episode a week. I just think like for a new podcast, I just think you should upload as much content as possible. And that's why I'm kind of going for like five or 10 podcasts in one day. Um, it's kind of to draw some attention to this. I want to draw some attention to my podcast because, um, it's gaining steam. It really is. And I'm confident and I'm really excited. Um, uh, kind of shaking up the way podcasts um, kind of are. Because again, I, I talk about this a lot, but basically people that have the successful podcast, they basically just read off of a script. Honestly, they read ads off of a script. That's how they make their money, right? You hear all the dumb ads in your favorite podcast. You hear all the dumb ads. That's how they make their money, right? They have a big audience. And they need to bring in money somehow, and it makes sense. They have to monetize it, and that's really the only way that they're doing it now. But what I'm doing, I basically teach people how to start a business and how to do marketing and SEO, copywriting, online business, everything. So I teach people how to do this for a living. And I have free trainings and free courses, online courses, some paid courses, um, that those are kind of my ads. I stand behind the products that I create. And I have them to offer. So a lot of people are like, oh, he's got something to sell us. Well, yeah, I do. Um, 
and I, I sell you the products that I create because I stand behind them and I, I believe in the products because um, I think they're going to help you get on your way and start a real business and make some money and hopefully get off your ass and make some money. That's what my goal is. And that's why I named it the marketing edge. And I hope you guys are okay with covering, you know, the WNBA and drug culture. I hope you guys are okay with that because it's interesting topics in my opinion. And, you know, this is my podcast, so I can talk about whatever I want. Even this, if this was called like, I don't know if this was called, I love fishing. Like I could talk about fishing obviously, but if I wanted to bring something up, I can, um, it's mine. It's my podcast. I can talk about what I want. And just the marketing edge, I think it's a good name and you guys are running it up, honestly. I think we're going to hit a thousand plays soon. Um, I did say in a previous that we were at 3,000 views. I don't know what I was looking at. Um, We were at 3,000 plays. Um, That is wrong. If you do hear that, I don't know what I was looking at. I thought it said 3,000 somewhere. Um, I don't know if I was in my anchor and saw that, but um, we're at 773 at the moment. And I'm looking at the spreadsheet, and yeah, it was 7.08 earlier today, literally like around noon. And so you guys are running it up, um, to be honest, and I love it. Love to hear it. Love to see it. And I think you guys are enjoying uh, enjoying the content. And the reason that I say that is um, I basically like told my friends and people that I deal with like every day, like my clients and stuff. I told them that like this podcast is like getting views and it's growing very quickly. It's been like four days since I've been uploading consistently and 700 over 700 views in four days. And I did put five podcasts out in one day, um, like two days ago, there were five full length podcasts. Um, So to give you an idea, um, that's like unheard of, honestly. And the reason I can upload five in a day and not be overwhelmed and still make money doing other stuff is because of Anchor. Um, so if you don't know Anchor, basically it just makes it really easy to film a podcast. Um, it just makes it where you can just hit a button, plug your mic in and hit record and you're good. You just record it for as long as you want. If you don't like it, you can scrap it. You don't have to post. Um, so it's just really easy. It just makes it easy to, to make a podcast, honestly. And I saw Anchor. Um, they were doing an advertisement with Graham Stephan. And that was one of the best products I think Graham's ever promoted, honestly. And I haven't really tried the other ones. He just like says like some BS little like sign up for Weeble and get get $15 stock or something like that. And I guess it works. If these companies continue to advertise with him, I guess whatever he's doing works. Or honestly, he just has so many views that just the percentage of people that convert, it's still really low but he just has so many viewers that it actually amounts to a lot. Um, Like if I were to like do an advertisement for something like that, and if you have a smaller audience, like my audience, I'm not even going to try to say it's anywhere near grams, um, but I wouldn't get anyone to sign up basically. Um, No one would sign up for these types of offers, but just because Graham has such a large audience, there's always a small percentage. It's usually like one to 2%, maybe even a half a percent probably even lower for something like that. But the point is, is that there is a percentage of people that convert, even though it's very little. And when you have like, I don't know how many monthly views he gets, but a lot and a small percentage are always going to convert. And if you have just a larger audience and that percentage is still the same, it just amounts to a lot more people signing up. And that's where I guess they want to keep advertising with him. And then I think part of it is they want to support Graham and they want to make him, you know, still, you know, successful. And he makes a lot of money. Um, clearly, he's killing it. And I'm not like hating on him or anything like that. But um, yeah, he's just kind of all about the ads. And I just don't like the whole ad format. Because I said it previously. And when there's an ad, and I'm listening to like some really good content, and just an ad comes up, um, I'm not only like, kind of like irritated that there's an ad, but I might be like driving. And I hate the ads so much that I fast forward them while I'm driving and I'll admit that and it's not good. I'm not like proud of that, but I hate the ads so much. And I'm because like, I hate them. I hate the ads. And so that's why in this podcast, we don't do ads. We don't do any ads guys. Um, So if you want a podcast, that's just all content, no intros, no outros, no, no ads. 
then um, you're going to want to see. We got some big things in the store for you guys on this podcast. Um, we have a guest lined up, and we're really excited to bring him on. Um, so I think there's some big things to come with this podcast. It's really only four days in. Um, we almost we're getting to a thousand plays. We're like you know at 700. We're on our way, and I think things are just going really well with the podcast. And I think we're going to shake things up a bit. And I think more people are just going to try to develop their own online courses instead of reading like these BS, BS like oh use my code Graham and get 10% off or something, or get a stock worth all the way up to a hundred dollars. That's the other thing. That type of promotion when you say like get a stock worth up to a hundred dollars that there's definitely a lot of fine print on that that you don't really hear um, because that's like that's kind of it doesn't really it's not very clear like what you're getting when you sign up like how does it work you get a random stock like who picks the stock and it's probably honestly not a good stock to invest in like why would i don't understand how they can do those deals um get a stock worth all the way up to like a hundred dollars how like how can they I want to know what goes on behind the scenes with an offer like that. And like I said, there's a lot of fine print because it's not like they're giving you shares of a Tesla. Like they're not giving you Tesla stock that's worth up to a hundred. Like they're not giving you a hundred dollars worth of Tesla stock. That's not how it works. They're just giving, they're telling Graham to read from a script and it's not very clear what you're getting with it. Um, So I just kind of wanted to point that out. Um, We are going to move on. We talked about a lot of things. We're going to switch gears and I'm going to talk about um, there's this Mali is a nation in Africa and there was a time I'm going to pull up some of these stats. Um, Basically, the Mali Empire um, was one of the richest empires in I think it's like let me see the date, the time period um, where I'm going with this. Uh, Let's see the time period. Basically, there's a ruler. He was a king. He's uh, called, his name's Mansa Musa. If you look him up, it's Mansa Musa. And he was the, it's called the Mansa of the Mali Empire, which is basically like a pharaoh or a king. And the Mali Empire, I was just, I heard this on TikTok. And basically this guy was the richest man to ever live. And there's no way in, uh, you cannot like even calculate what his net worth was. Like it's just so high. And where I'm going with this, and it's really interesting, you don't really hear about this guy. Like, you hear about Rockefeller, Carnegie, um, who are like the oil tycoons, those guys. It's like John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie. Who was the steel guy? Was Andrew Carnegie the steel guy? There were like, there's like four or five like people that you would bring up when you, when you um, talk about like the wealthiest people in history, but this Mansa Musa. Um, he is number one and we'll get into like net worth and it's kind of um, interesting to talk about like with these um, Arabian princes like the Saudi Arabian princes and the the Saudi family Um, little sidebar um, this family it's a royal family basically in Saudi Arabia and if you don't know about Saudi Arabia basically they sit on oil and the world's oil they produce most of the world's oil at least a large percentage um, and it's called the OPEC, which is oil and petroleum exporting countries. So it's like the OPEC nations. Um, and basically they sit on the oil and this family is so large that they spread out the wealth and there's no way of knowing because the family is so large and you can't like trace it back to one person. Like they're saying there's trillions of dollars of net worth, like of money that these Arabian princes have and they're not like, it's not public. So there's no way of knowing. And basically these arabian princes could be the richest people like you think of like elon musk and the only reason that elon musk's net worth is honestly so high is because of tesla stock um i don't know what tesla's valued at right now but he is i think the majority shareholder of tesla and it makes sense obviously it's his company and just because tesla um there's just so many outstanding shares and the share price is really high at least it was and i think they had to do a stock split and Elon Musk, he's, his net worth is basically a lot on paper. Now he does have like, he definitely has over a billion in cash, I would say. Like if he needed to produce um, like a billion in cash, like liquid, I think he could. I think he does have at least a billion in the bank, like cash. 
But his net worth is basically tied to Tesla because when the Tesla stock goes up and if you're a majority shareholder, I don't even think he's majority actually because honestly, the ownership probably got diluted so much. So I don't know how much he owns of Tesla. I could probably just find that out really quickly, but I'm not going to. Um, and his net worth, like you might see that his net worth like fluctuated, like he lost like $100 billion in one day or something, but he didn't really lose that money. It's just like net worth tied to the stock. So when the stock goes down and like say something happens with Tesla, I don't know, like there's news that comes out and it negatively impacts the stock. Well, then Elon Musk's net worth is going to go down with it just because his net worth, he owns a lot of the company and his net worth is basically tied to the stock. So um, my point about Elon Musk is that I think he's the richest man in the world, but it's it's only on paper. And these Saudi princes, they are actually the richest people, the Saudi family. And again, there's no way of knowing their wealth. And it's just spread out so much because the family is so large that you just don't even know their wealth. So we're going to move back to this Mansa Musa guy. And it's really interesting um, to read about this because I've never heard of Mansa Musa. Um, and I actually learned about it on TikTok. Someone was like saying that this guy's like literally the richest person to ever live. And I was like, "Who? I've never heard of this. I've heard of Rockefeller. I've heard of um you know carnegie um melon um these names like these oil tycoons like you've heard of them but you haven't heard of this man samusa guy and where i'm going with this is that he was so wealthy and he had a lot of gold his thing was basically gold he was and it says right here i didn't even read this but it says uh, i'm reading Musa's wikipedia and it says that his riches came from the mining of significant gold and salt deposits in the mali empire um, along with the slave and ivory trade. So that's actually saying he made a lot of money slate with slaves and ivory, um, which is like slavery, obviously. And then ivory, I think this is when they cut the tusks off of elephants. And a picture came up and it's like these African guys holding these tusks of ivory. And it's almost as big as the guy. Um, the guy's like maybe like six feet tall and he's holding an elephant tusk of ivory that's just as tall as him. I don't know where they got a piece of ivory like that. So actually, I'm reading this. I thought it. Uh, I just realized I thought it was like all elephants, um, but actually, hippos have t um, ivory. Walruses have ivory. Mammoths. I don't think mammoths, as in like woolly mammoths, those are extinct. But anyways, this Mansa Musa guy, um, he had so much gold, and he like took it with him everywhere. And there's a story, and it's. I think it's right here. Yeah, here it is. I heard about this, and it's right in his Wikipedia page. Um, basically he like was traveling, he was traveling around the world and he came to Egypt and he came to Cairo. And if you didn't know, Cairo is the capital of Egypt and just the Egyptians and the, um, it just goes back really far, like Egyptian civilizations, like ancient Egypt. Um, just the history goes back very far. And he came to Cairo, Egypt, um, during the, it looks like the 12th century, and he came to Cairo um, with all his gold and he basically gave away all of the gold, not all of it, but he gave away a lot of gold um, to the um, Egyptian people. He just gave it away and it essentially just wiped out like the it it basically affected the um, the what's it called the currency. Um, it inflated the currency so much. He just basically gave out so much gold that gold lost its value. Um, so before he came, um, before he got to Egypt, he had all this gold and gold was very rare in this time. Like if you had gold, like you were rich and a lot of people were poor and slaves in ancient Egypt. So if you had gold, you were like rich. If, if Mansa Musa comes around and you're like a slave and he gives you gold, like you're basically rich. But the thing was he did that. And he went around and gave people this, the gold, and he gave it away. But what happened, all these people got the gold, and then the gold became less valuable. It's called deflation. So like we talk about inflation, this was deflation, where the currency becomes less valuable. Um, it's worth less. I think it's deflation. Um, that's a term in economics. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But this Mansa Musa guy, um, he comes through to Cairo, and he brings all his gold and gives it all away. And then basically, and it's right here, actually. 
I'm going to read it. It says Mansa Musa went on Hajj, which I think is like um it's like a pilgrimage, I think. The Hajj is like to Mecca, Saudi Arabia. So he said he went on a Hajj in 1324, traveling with an enormous entourage and a vast supply of gold. This is from the Wikipedia page. Um, this is word for word. And I didn't see this before I was just telling you about it. And it says en route, he spent time in Cairo, like I just said. He spent time in Cairo where his lavish gift giving is said to have noticeably affected. Yeah, exactly. Noticeably affected the value of gold in Egypt and garnered the attention of the wider Muslim world. So this guy just comes to Egypt and he just shakes things up and just gives away so much gold that the gold was just devalued and it became less valuable um, because there was just so much that everyone just had it. He gave it away and just everyone had gold. So naturally it just becomes less valuable when more people have currency. Um, that's the thing in economics. The currency just becomes less valuable, right? And this guy, Mansa Musa, um, it's really interesting to read about like his um, like his reign and his pilgrimage. Yeah, he was going to Mecca, Saudi Arabia. He was doing a Muslim pilgrimage, pilgrimage um, like people actually do. And it's just really interesting to read about that because I never heard about this Mansa Musa. And yeah, I think it's just really cool to to read about like this history type stuff. And that's kind of what I wanted to go over about Mansa Musa. Now we're going to move on. Now, we were talking about net worth and kind of how net worth works and about the Saudi family and how the Saudi family is basically just so wealthy that you can't even comprehend or calculate their wealth. And like they're way wealthier than like Elon Musk and Bezos and like the top guys that we know. They're basically just so wealthy that we can't even calculate it and there's no way to calculate it. Um, so where I'm going with this is, um, let's see... Oh, yes, about net worth and keeping money in the family. So if you ever start like a business or a startup, the first thing you should do, and if you need an outside investment to make it work, um, the first thing you should do, excuse me, is ask your family. Um, the first thing you should do is ask friends and family. I would ask your family first, because if your idea actually really has some merit and maybe you've gotten some traction, like in the market, you've gotten some market feedback and like you're, you're like really excited to get this going and it's a business opportunity. You want to ask your family first for a couple reasons. First, your family. Um, I mean, this is debatable. Maybe you don't want to ask your family depending on who you ask. But in my opinion, if you have like a business idea, I think you should try to raise money from your friends and family first. Um, some people might disagree with that, but I think that's generally true. You should ask your friends and family first, but your family. So say like your business, it takes off um, and just like it goes well. Um, the odds are not in your favor, but just say that happened. Then and say like you made it big, whatever, you had a successful exit. Either your company was acquired or it went public. Again, the odds aren't in the favor, but it does happen. Um, like you would want that money to be in the family, honestly, because if it goes big and your family has a percentage of equity, um, it just the money just stays in the family. Like one day, you know, your parents are going to die and you're going to die one day. And once you're gone, you honestly want that money to be in the family. Um, in my opinion, I think you would just want to keep it in the family, right? You want your family just to have it. And then like generations from now, your family will still have that wealth. So honestly, where, where I, why I'm kind of bringing this up is because the podcast is basically a startup. And the podcast, I'm looking at the, the growth numbers, and the growth of the podcast is just honestly incredible. Um, I've never seen anything like this. It's like literally the hockey stick that we study in entrepreneurship, the hockey stick growth, the exponential growth in a short amount of time. That's what the podcast looks like. And I just consider the podcast a startup basically. Um, I think it's just a startup right now and we're seeing the market traction because in my studies as an entrepreneurship major, um, a big part of like looking for a company and like studying companies that do well, um, you have to get some market traction and some market feedback. And we got that. We are getting that now because the views, the plays are increasing, the audience is increasing and it's been four days. Um, so I think we're just really in a good place uh, with the podcast right now. And it's really going to be interesting to see where it goes from here, um, to see what the podcast becomes, if there's any opportunities that come with the podcast. Um, it'll just be an interesting ride for me. And I have a lot going on. I have consulting clients um, and some of the clients might be listening, which is kind of cool. 
Um, but so I am trying to juggle everything because I think the podcast really has some potential. And I was just talking to people about the podcast and I guess they just, they don't see the vision. Like I see the vision, like I see this podcast becoming successful and just like, yeah, when I would talk to people about it and say about just how it's going well and just the growth is, is crazy. I don't know. A lot of people, they just don't see the vision that I see for the podcast and I just see it becoming successful. Um, and there's reason for that. It's not like just blind. Like I just think I have an idea for a podcast and I think it's going to be big. Um, I started the podcast back in November and just was uploading stuff about like SEO and affiliate marketing and didn't really get a lot of plays. Some people were viewing it, but not a lot. Um, like there were some views, like maybe like 20 a day, not that much, 10 or 20 a day. And I was just kind of experimenting because the audio, if you listen to my early podcast, I think the audio is a lot worse. Um, like I didn't really understand the audio. Um, it was literally my first podcast and I think I just filmed it on my, um, iPhone and the iPhone's audios like speakers or microphone. It's not good. It's not podcast quality. Um, so I basically just bought a microphone and I was like, well, I'm, I might as well just buy a microphone and take this seriously. Um, so I guess my point is that I'm just really excited where the podcast is going to go and I'm happy you're tuning in, um, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I think I looked at it and it's mostly men. Um, I think it's mostly men. Anchor said that it's mostly men in their ages of like 25 to 34. So if that's, um, your demographic, well, then I guess Anchor is pretty good with statistics because statistically speaking, most of you are in that range. Um, that's like, who's watching this. Um, obviously there are, you know, men and women outside of that age, but the majority are men between 27, uh, 25 and 34. Um, so I think it's cool that they give those analytics, but basically, um, and then I get back to the keeping the wealth in the family. It's just like your kids. If you decide to have kids, um, quick sidebar actually. So my last name is Leventon and, um, uh, my dad, he had, a, he still has a sister. Um, and basically the Leventon name, if I don't have a child, that's a boy. Um, the Leventon name is going to die. Um, there's not going to be any more Leventons, um, because I only have one sister and, um, she's married. So obviously her last name changed, um, like technically on the books. And so if I don't have a son, um, there's actually going to be no more Leventons. There might be like a Leventon out in Israel. I think I might've um, saw Leventon, but for all intensive purposes, at least in the U S like the Leventon name is going to die. If I don't have a, um, a son who's going to pass on the name. So I was just thinking about that the other day and I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want, I don't want the Leventon name to die. Um, and there was a point in time when I was just thinking about having kids and stuff. Um, not like seriously, like I was just pondering the idea and there was a time that I didn't want to have a girl, um, a girl child, like a, have a daughter um, for some obvious reasons that I'm not going to get into. But I, there was a time when I was like, if I have a daughter, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, I don't have that mindset anymore because um, it's honestly just what life gives you. If I have 10 girls, you know, I'll be happy um, because that's just what that's just how life is. And th there's no reason to like have that type of attitude like I had, like that I'm going to be disappointed because. I could very well have two girls and like they listen to this and they're say they'll say, dad, you were disappointed that we were girls. And I would say, no, um, there's a point that I would have been, but I really changed my philosophy on that because again, there's nothing you can do if you have two kids, like it's very possible that they're both girls, um, which actually happened to my aunt and uncle. Um, and I say that, that happened like as if it's a bad thing, but basically they have two, two beautiful girls. And I'm like, basically my point is that, um, if I have two girls or five girls or 10 girls or 20 girls, 20 daughters, I don't care. Um, like I'll be happy with whatever life gives me, I guess. And yeah, that was just a quick sidebar. And I want to get into a little bit more about the net worth and keeping the family and the, um, the money in the family. Um, because when you're gone and basically when you die, depending on if you're married and if your spouse is still alive, all your money is essentially passed on to your heirs. Um, if you don't have any heirs, it's um, whatever's in your will. And if you make a will, it's basically like where your money goes and your estate, where it goes when you die. And so if you don't, if you keep the money in the family, I just think that's the best way to do it. 
because like honest i mean like would you rather your family keep the money or just like some some rich investors i don't know i'd just rather and like i guess no i'm not gonna say that but i just think keeping in the family keeping the money in the family just honestly is the way to go and if you have a business that you're gonna start um like i said i'm gonna circle back just ask your friends and family first um because it would be kind of cool um like say your business takes off again the odds are against you um and me too um just the odds are not in your favor when it comes to starting a business and making it be successful just by keeping the money in the family i think it just perpetuates your wealth and don't you just want to pass that you know from generation to generation um just keeping the money in the family i think it's the way to go now if you um make like a big company and you need outside investments that's where like venture capital comes in because they can provide like 50 million dollar investments i don't think your friends and family would be able to do that um most likely unless you're friends with like billionaires which probably not and yeah that's just kind of my spiel about why i think if you have a business ask your friends and family first um i just think that's makes the most sense and that's my spiel and we're going to move on and